I just got really lucky because I got the chance to know that it had happened. And I think many people have that impact on people. They just never get to hear it and to know it. And, and, and but like once you know it's there, then you can strive to do more of it. And I think that's when the world becomes a more beautiful place. How is your work impacting others? Here's the simple answer. You don't know. Neither do I. We might have metrics, profit margins, Google Analytics, retweets, but that's reach, not impact. How is what you do really connecting to other people, changing them and affecting them on a heart level? For the most part, you'll never know. Part of the reality of living in the liminal space of creativity means learning that while we're all connected, most of those connections are invisible. And that's something that Benjamin Von Wong understands really well. Benjamin's work lies at the intersection of fantasy and photography and combines everyday objects with shocking statistics. It has attracted the attention of corporations like Starbucks, Dell, and Nike, and has generated over 100 million views for causes like ocean plastics, electronic waste, and fashion pollution. Most recently, he was named one of Adweek's 11 content-branded masterminds. In this episode of the Story Podcast, Tim Gray sat down backstage at Story 2019 to talk to Benjamin about connection, isolation, and the thin lines between the two. For you to understand that, you've got to understand what he does. The best way is probably to look up what he does, which you can do at vonwong.com. His work is incredible. In the meantime, here's his best shot at an explanation of that work. How did you get to the place of combining worlds cre creatively like this? It's not simply photography. It's not simply digital design. It's, it's more, right? What was the seed that was planted to help you kind of mold this thing? Yeah, I mean, I think if we go way back enough, I really loved comic books and fantasy as a, ch as a child. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I picked up a camera, it wasn't with the intention of doing anything fantastical initially. However, it evolved into that direction. And I think it was a combination of two things. First, the desire to be different, desire to stand out or the desire to be seen, like sure. one, one of those. And the second thing was um, just a way to be expressive of something like emotional that was internal and that always manifested itself in some kind of a surreal setting. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think what really catalyzed the shift into fantasy was a breakup um, that I was going through and, and this need to express what that breakup felt like. Um, and, uh, you know, I eventually got over the breakup, obviously. Sure. And, but, but along the way, the sort of like style, style evolved and I, I learned a lot of Photoshop tricks initially to, to do that. And then slowly as I, as I dove deeper and deeper into it, I realized that what I really enjoyed was less the Photoshop part, but the real world construction of something that you just couldn't tell whether it was real or fake. Yeah. The, some, this idea that you could evoke curiosity, but then surprise people with how it was actually done was something that was truly magical to me yeah for the style of creatives we've had on the show there's been poets and spoken word artists and authors and filmmakers that lineal space of creation that is a long run-up and an absolute marriage for an, for a while right you're committed to that piece for quite some time 
your art is expressive as it is. How long does it take to kind of move through the process of one piece? Is it a quick turnaround? Is it once you're in it, you're in it for a minute until it's done, until you've, you've purged that piece, you know? Yeah, the execution of my projects are generally quick. They take weeks, mm-hmm. just a few weeks. I, re- I don't think I've ever passed a month, really. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the preparation leading up to them takes months or years. Um, and the reason for that is because they're all collaboration driven. Like I don't actually, as a photographer, as someone who takes photographs, um, you have to have something to take photographs of. And as someone who's now gotten into the space of activism, you need to have the collaborations that are in place. You need to have the expertise. You need to be able to understand the message that you're trying to convey and have that translated properly. And so there are so many different moving parts that you need to line up before you can even start being creative. Um, and. I think that's the boring part. That's the part that isn't Instagrammable. That's the part that really is just (laughs) having a lot of phone calls, emails, conversations, meetings, and just hoping something goes through, something doesn't go through. You wait for months, it goes into one, you know, one hierarchy, and then it comes out into another hierarchy, and you're just waiting for these these things to happen. And, um, And I think that that's the most frustrating part about what I do right now is that so much of that process is sort of hidden and unshareable. Sure. It, it's really, it's not part of the story, even though it is. Yeah. Yeah. Even Benjamin's art is literally at a liminal level. The tension between fantasy and reality, photography and design, and yet it's all anchored in what's actually taking place in this world. It's his unique style, but it's helped him connect to people all over that world. And that's what he really wanted his time at Story to be about. How we can work in the space between isolation and connection. When Harris put it to you to talk about your subject today, right? It was your thing is between blank and blank. What what were your blanks for the people at home that didn't get to attend? Uh, mine was be- between together and alone. And I tried to focus on the idea that we are all connected, even though we may not see it, Mm -hmm. and that the everyday actions we choose to take or not take have repercussions greater than um, we may ever know or see. And um, so I started off my talk by talking about how this little boy, um, not a boy, actually, a teenager, when he was 19, uh, left me a comment on Facebook to let me know that the photos and the work that I was sharing online had helped inspire him to buy a camera, launch himself in a new career path, and help him with his battle against depression. And this is a boy who is bedridden with two chronic illnesses. And how him letting me know that I had made a difference in his life completely transformed the way I saw how I had to live my life because suddenly there were responsibilities, there were consequences to the decisions that I made. It wasn't just about what I wanted to do, but rather how other people perceived that. And that sort of like persisted throughout my life in many, many, many different ways as you sort of like start to realize the weight of even the unseen. And then I just kind of just drew multiple connections. So like the girlfriend that I'm currently with, we've been together for four and a half years. We met because she saw the video of me surprising him on his 21st birthday (laughs) to say thank you for that thing. Um, 
and you know and and now he's you know he's an award-winning photographer and it's wow. and he's talking about his chronic illnesses through his art and it's like and who knows what's going to happen down that line and so there are these all these like invisible ripples outwards that like I just got really lucky because I got the chance to know that it had happened. And I think many people have that impact on people. They just never get to hear it and to know it. And 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 but like once you know it's there, then you can strive to do more of it. And I think that's when the world becomes a more beautiful place. Absolutely well said. That's almost verbatim of how I ended up in this seat. <laughs> uh, a friend of a friend introduced me to a photographer who was helping kind of lead the creative image team at Story and him and Harris go back and uh, he brought my team in and because of a friend of a contact of a story of a ripple. There we go. Here I am (laughs) sitting with you talking about your ripples. There you go. You know? Yeah. Why is that so important? Why do you think? I think people are influenced most by action, by what they see others doing around them. And so it's a lot more effective to just do the right thing than to preach about doing the right thing, right? And mm-hmm. so live live the life that you wish others were leading, treat others how you want to be treated. That entire ethos, I think, can have such greater repercussions if you apply it to the structure of your entire life, right? Like if you were writing a book about your life and your kids were going to read it, what do you want that book to say? Do you want it to say that, um, you know, this person went against all odds to conquer whatever it is they were trying to go after? Or do you want it to be something where they, they notice that actually... Uh, conquering the world wasn't what they truly cared about but rather close friends and family and they wanted to be present and provide a stable support structure for them i mean both narratives are great sure but which one do you want to tell and to be true to that i think is the most important part throughout our interview with benjamin he kept coming back to one key point life is going to happen to you whether you're ready for it or not. What's on you is to figure out how to react. And unfortunately, there are no shortcuts there. Given the option, most of us would skip liminal space to get to some more solid ground, one where we feel safe, confident, and successful. But that's just not how life works, right? Benjamin knows that, he's lived it, and he has advice on how you can live it too, and maybe even thrive in it. Do you have any practical advice on how any other creative person could kind of help better figure out their steps forward through telling their story or telling a story? I think I have like two opposing ideas. Great. The first is to have just to follow the fun, like follow what you love, what gives you joy, what turns you on, what keeps you up at night, where, what kind of conversations are you having? What kind of work do you look at that you go, man, I just... I need to know how this was done. I need to try to do it myself, right? Like I think joy is sort of one really important uh, direction to follow. And then the second though is the opposite. And it's driven on the, um, it's this uh, it's this quote that I love by a guy called Chuck Close, I think. And it's that inspiration is for amateurs, the rest of us just get down and work. <laughs> and, so, and so on one hand, you have to follow what you care about, but on the other you have to find the thing that you're willing to work really hard on because you have some form of discipline that you just like give yourself those milestones and deadlines hit because you can't it can't just all be fun at some point that fun boils down or or dithers and and so it's this combination of stuff and it 
And I don't think, I think as, as, as a budding creative, what ends up happening is so you start off in one direction. Let's say you learn how to paint hypothetically. So you learn how to paint, you get really good at painting and at some point it becomes boring to paint. And so maybe you need to take a break from painting. That's okay, but, but put your time into something else, right? And then it could be like welding. Let's say you go down this path of learning how to weld and then you start getting really good at welding and then you get bored of it. But then maybe you can start like combining painting and welding to now create something that the world has never seen before because you're taking two crafts and then you're like merging them into one. And so I think that's, only, that's something that only time can afford you is that if you give yourself the time to evolve as a creative and know when it's, when it's time to stop and when it's time to go, but to never do the opposite of what you should be doing, right? Like mm-hmm. don't, well, even then, like even then, like all these dots can always connect, right? I think, I mean, you the, the Steve Jobs commencement speech, which is super famous by now, sure. like, I mean, the fact that he took a typography class, like carried him all the way through what made like the, the fonts on the Mac beautiful. So you, you really can never tell. So there's no reason why if you took a third thing, like down into like diving into mathematics, there's no reason why the three couldn't make for the most amazing sure. geometrical designs combined with colors, right? And so, so I think just not being scared to explore what you enjoy, but then also having the tenacity to put the work in to actually get good at it. Because if you never reach the point of getting good at something, mm-hmm. you don't need to be great, you just need to be good. Then you'll never have the opportunity to combine those skills. Absolutely. I had the opportunity to interview Floyd earlier. You know, what an incredible human being and a rich history of creativity. And he said it, he said it basically the exact same way that you have, that sometimes the faucet is just turned off. You know, the well's dry. I don't have any more to give today creatively, but there is a deadline. And as someone who has mastered my craft that is a professional, it is my job to draw the line, to start, to just do the thing. So you touched on that, but you also touched on knowing when, if that well is dry. A deadline is a deadline. Certainly as a professional, we need to hit that. But if there is not a deadline and the well is dry, find a new thing. Explore the new avenue. Don't abandon it, but pausing is perfectly fine. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if the deadline's there, that's fine too. Do it, but then take a break. Yeah. Or if it, if there, there's like 10 deadlines ahead of you, do the 10 deadlines and then take a break. But like realize that you're not enjoying it anymore, right? Like take take the time to understand that you also need to take care of yourself. It's like similar to a relationship with a person. You can't love the other person until you love yourself first. So if yes. you don't take care of you, how are you going to be creative? Yeah. And I think that the... There's another thing that I think might be interesting to explore is that I think many people pursue this idea of a profession, right? What do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. But it's not about what you want to be because we're not, we're going to always, you're just going to be you. Um, it's more about like, what kind of life do you want to have? What kind of people do you want to meet? Where do you want to go? Where do you want your life to take you? And how do the skills that you learn along the way empower you and enable you to do all these cool things? Yeah. All of this can sound a little ephemeral, right? Love yourself first. I mean, stuff like that can be hard to get a hold on. And that's why I was extra impressed with Benjamin's closing thoughts. His parting message on creativity, on what to do in moments of doubt and tension, the liminal space, was actually some of the best advice I've heard in a while. He shared it with us, and now I'm going to share it with you. Listen in. Is there a nugget or one thing that you would share with the storytellers out there? Something that's been on your heart or a nugget or a takeaway or something that maybe practically they could go implement tomorrow to help them 
get to the next place from maybe they're a and then b and like you said earlier how do i get to c how do i get to d there was a thing that you could share with them maybe it's the question of what do you want to do with your power like imagine you were the most powerful storyteller in the world and you had the ability to to close the gap between the heart and the mind of any person you spoke to what stories would you tell why would you tell them like think bigger than just the craft or the message or the survival or the business model, but like, what would you like to accomplish? What would you like people to know? And where are those people hiding and why do they need help and how are you going to get to them? I think having the, like, the big questions helps to point the compass in the right direction and figuring out how to get there is just gonna be a series of experiments and failures. But if your compass isn't working, then it's like you're trying to get to the top of the mountain, but you keep turning in circles. It just takes a lot longer and it's far more frustrating. But if you have this, this compass, then you can ask people for directions, right? Like you can go and you can say, hey, I'm trying to get there. How do I get there? This is what I care about. This is what I want to do. This is, this is what I really care about. Can you help me? Um, I, think, I think that part's really, really helpful. Finding the big questions are the compass. I'm glad Benjamin found his, and hopefully his words can help you find yours too. Dream big enough to ask what you're going to do with your power, because like it or not, you have power and other people see it. They're being affected by in ways you may not ever see, and that's why you've got to keep going. And I get it. It feels hard to keep going right now. And that's why the story community exists to keep refilling your creative tank so that you can keep going through these podcast conversations, through our webinars and workshops, and through our annual conference. And I'm thrilled that Benjamin will be joining us again at Story this year as a part of the Story 2020 lineup. He's going to be serving photographers in all stages of their career through a unique breakout opportunity. You can learn more about it at story2020.com. But while you're there, be sure to grab a ticket and you can even use the discount code STORYPODCAST50, STORYPODCAST50 to save $50 off your ticket. Guys, just a single workshop at Story this year is worth more than the entire cost of registration but you don't just get access to one of them. You get access to the talks from the entire main stage speaker lineup and more than 30 different workshop options, including all conference recordings for a full seven days. I can't wait to gather online September 24th and 25th. It's going to be an incredible experience and it's going to impact the lives and careers of so many people around the world. Until then, Thanks for staying plugged in online and continuing to listen to the Story Podcast. Be sure to stop by vonwong.com. That's just V-O-N-W-O-N-G.com, vonwong.com to check out Benjamin's work. He's an incredible source of inspiration across all of his platforms. He's just at Von Wong on social media. I am Harris III, and I'll be back next week with another conversation to fuel your life and your creative work as a storyteller. The Story Podcast is a production of the Astoria Collective. 
It is hosted and curated by Harris III and produced, edited, and mixed by Chad Michael Snavely. All music for season four of the Story Podcast is provided by the talented musicians at Soundstripe. For more information about this podcast and other creative offerings from Story, visit storygatherings.com.